Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. It is Sunday, November 10th, day before Veterans Day, day before you will be listening to this podcast. I am sitting on the steps of our nation's capital, having just left a worship service at National Community Church. This morning's special speaker was Latasha Morrison. Latasha is the author of the book, Be the Bridge, and I've just heard a message about racial reconciliation. And it couldn't have come at a more appropriate time than the leadoff for this particular podcast because our special podcast guest today is Carolyn Mall McKinstry. Carolyn was present back in September of 1963. She was actually in the church, 16th Street Baptist Church, downtown Birmingham, the morning that the bomb went off. And she's our special podcast guest today. She has written a powerful book called While the World Watched. You're going to be blessed by listening to her story. And I want to challenge you to do something. I want to challenge you to make your week, the remainder of this month, make go and make a table of your own. Sit down and have a conversation with someone who is different from you. It is past time for us to approach the subject and the topic of racial reconciliation. And I just hope that Carolyn's story, and it's a powerful story, will challenge you to do more. It's time the world quit watching, as Carolyn said toward the end of the book. It's time the world takes action. So let's take action. Uh, let's give this a listen. Thank you for being with us today. Well, welcome to Redemption's Table. I am sitting in the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute right across the street from 16th Street Baptist Church, Birmingham, with our special podcast guest today, Carolyn Mall McKinstry. Thank you, Carolyn, for being with us today. It's my honor to be with you, Robert. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about our time and have been. I read several months back at a friend's suggestion uh, your powerful book, While the World Watched, and I was just uh, deeply moved by your story and your journey, and so I'm just grateful to uh, ever sit down with an author, but just to, to share this time, so I'm looking forward to where God guides this conversation. Uh, Thank you, Robert. I want to start with this question, because um, it's kind of bringing everything to the current moment. Where have you witnessed the goodness of God lately? Lately. Lately. Um, lately uh, in my marriage, uh, just uh, the continuation of a strong uh, 
ever watchful and supportive husband. Uh, I've had a lot of travel on my uh, itinerary and just a lot of things that I know would would probably strain the nerves of the average husband, uh, but he's always been there and he takes care of everything when I'm gone and he takes care of everything when I return. So uh, I just continue to feel that strong presence, but I do feel it's a reminder from God every day that uh, that not only is the husband there, God is there as well. Wow. I, one of your favorite, one of my favorite chapters in your book, you entitled Jeromeo, mm-hmm. and his name's Jerome. That's right. And I already told you personally, but I'll, I'll tell you again, thank Jerome for allowing us to have this time together. Well, I will. I'll, I'll certainly thank him. Uh, I'm away a lot, as I say, but um, I know he will appreciate uh, that we both uh, appreciate his uh, ability to to just be there when right. he needs to be there and allow me to kind of be myself. Yeah. Before we kind of get into the, the story and, and also the current day, uh, this is Redemption's Table. Yes. So how has redemption been an overwhelming flavor uh, from God's kitchen in your life? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I'm, I'm aware daily of, of God's redeeming grace, daily. Uh, I, I can start with um, the bombing of the church in uh, Birmingham, 19, September 15th, 1963. But I could also just start with the parents that I had, mm-hmm. even the grandparents that I had, because uh, my grandfather was a pastor of two churches, uh, made us go to church regularly with him when we stayed with him. We could not do simple things like if we wanted to play music and dance. No, not in his house. We couldn't play cards. Uh, He was insistent that we learn the things of God. Uh, I spent my summers doing vacation Bible school with him. In Clanton? In Clanton and the surrounding areas like um, Verbena and Jemison and Notasogo, these little small places. Mm -hmm. But most of those places could not afford a pastor. And he would pastor uh, one church for the two Sundays and another one for the next, the last two Sundays. And so, um, and I spent my summers with him and my grandmother because uh, my parents sometimes went to school in the summer. Mm-hmm. They were d- doing various things to try to improve themselves. So that was the only acceptable place to them for me to, to stay with someone else. So, you know, I look at, I think uh, perhaps my, my spirit for missionary type work, mm-hmm. uh, community service type work began with him. My knowledge of the Bible most certainly began with all those vacation Bible school programs. Uh, but my mother um, and father, um, when they moved to Birmingham, continued that tradition by joining 16th Street Baptist Church. My mother is the oldest of his daughters, oldest of five girls. And uh, so she is more like him uh, probably uh, than any of them. Um, one is still living. Mm-hmm. One, The baby sister is 87 years old, but she's still living. And uh, so I still have the, the, uh, the gift of all of those memories through that sister who is still with us. But I look back uh, over where I could have been. Yes, ma'am. Uh, you know, got off to a really great start, uh, but then there was this tragedy. Then there was the the matter of segregation. And when we look at the various turns that segregation and things related to that have taken, 
uh, I could have been in any of those turns, but mm -hmm. God continued to guide the way. I believe that uh, my grandfather would say to me every day, I pray for you. Granddaddy prays for you every day. And I would say, well, why do you have to pray every day? Can't you just pray one time? He says, no, granddaddy pray. And I believe that even those prayers continue to be a redemptive force any time in my life mm -hmm. or in his children's lives when we're headed in the wrong direction, down the wrong path, that God remembers those prayers. He remembers the prayers of the righteous. Mm -hmm. uh, if ever there were two righteous people, my grandfather, my grandmother, and again, my, my mother and my father. So I just see the continuing redemption, but I was probably in really strong need of his presence, God's presence after the September 15th. Didn't know what I needed. Right. Just knew that I was very confused in a lot of turmoil and pain within. And um, that story could have had a very different ending. You read my book. Yes, it could have had a very different ending. But God redeemed me from where the devil was trying to take me and was not going to allow this suffering to be for nothing or right. for naught. And so I, uh, I continue to see it, even in my own children. But I'm so grateful for his presence in my life. And I agree with you. Any prayer that we ever pray, there is no expiration date on it. Yes. It keeps on blessing yes. on down through yes. the generations, and that's that's incredible. That's a beautiful way to place to say it too. Yes. Yeah, I have to uh, say it that way. Uh, yeah. You wrote in your book one of the very first things I, I noticed underlined. You said not many young people can pinpoint the exact date, time, and place they grew up and became an adult. Mm -hmm. You can. Mm -hmm. Would you share that? Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, I, um, I'm going to rephrase that sentence okay. for you uh, to, to, to what I think I was trying to say. Uh, there comes a point in all of our lives when we can say we, we grew up or something happened to make us truly aware of what reality really is. Mm -hmm. We confront uh, an individual or a situation, but we come face to face with something in our lives that allows us to grow up mm -hmm. and to understand the world around us and uh, maybe where we fit or don't fit, whatever the case may be. Uh, and it's in that moment, uh, you, we might call it a moment of reckoning, mm -hmm. but it's in that moment uh, the decisions that we make from that moment forward become very critical. Uh, what we do with that moment of reckoning, what we do with that moment of realization, of growing up, of maturity, of seeing life for the first time for what it is, mm -hmm. what, what happens in that moment uh, can set the stage, or, or it generally does set the stage for the rest of our lives. That can be something very positive or it can be something not so positive. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, I, that happened September 15th, 1963, mm -hmm. so I was, that was four days before I turned four years old. Okay. I lived Inslee, mm -hmm. so about five miles away from here. And uh, that, I'm from Birmingham, went to school in Shelby County, 
graduated from Sanford University here in Birmingham. I lived here up until about the time I was age 24 and then would come back and visit. And I knew that that was part of our history. About 20 years ago, I started going to the Birmingham Public Library and scrolling through the newspapers, and I was doing it for a trivial reason. I just one day, I'm very curious. I thought, I wonder what has played at the Alabama Theater the day I was born. That's where it all started. And then I had this idea, well, I wonder every film that's ever played there. This is where my mind was going. But in that process of just scrolling a lot of newspapers, I began to notice something. On the front page of the Birmingham newspaper through the 50s and 60s, and even before that, how whenever there was the holiday of Christmas and Easter, God was all over the front page of the Birmingham News. But then there was also a lot of other things on the front page of the Birmingham News throughout the year. Mm -hmm. A lynching here, mm -hmm. an arrest or an, a beating here. Mm -hmm. And I was like, these things don't add up. Mm -hmm. These things don't mm -hmm. equate. And when the first time I visited 16th Street, I was, I was moved. I felt like it's hallowed ground. Mm -hmm. um, just what happened there. And I, I cannot even begin to imagine because you were there the day uh, mm -hmm. the bomb went off. Yeah. You lost four friends that day. Yeah. Uh, Denise McNair, Cynthia Wesley, uh, Carolyn Rob Robertson, mm -hmm. and Addie Mae Collins. That's right. And uh, you were very close to, to being there with them. And that, you know, that Coming from that experience and processing all that, or maybe even attempting to process it, maybe a better way to say it, did you, through all of that, Carolyn, did you ever question the goodness of God and all that took place there? Mm -hmm. I, I think I probably did, uh, given my age. Um, I thought I knew who God was, and I think as children we see God is good, mm -hmm. all good things, anything good. We don't ever think of anything uh, negative happening to us or in our lives. We're not really taught that either. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's probably appropriate as I think about it. Uh, but the reality is that things do happen. And uh, uh, that was... Uh, undoubtedly the most traumatic thing that has happened in my uh, years of life, yes, of living. And um, not having the opportunity to, um, by this time my grandfather had, uh, well, when I was 22, my grandfather passed away. Mm -hmm. But by this time, um, still not having an opportunity, I have this anchor in my husband, but no opportunity to really discuss or understand the motivation of people. Um, I, I had a lot going on in my head, um, uh, trying to figure it out, trying mm -hmm. to understand. But the fact that we did not talk about it, the fact that um, uh, that no one even came and said, um, you know, are you okay? Mm -hmm. Are you afraid? Mm -hmm. Would you like to? Do you miss your friends? Would you like to talk about? Just never happened. And so um, just left to my own devices uh, pretty much. But um, I think uh, things could have been very different 
again, were it not for uh, the anchor, my mm -hmm. husband. I, in, in my parents' mind, I married really young. Mm -hmm. Being 20 is not so young, but to them it was. But uh, it was something I needed and didn't know that I needed, mm -hmm. you know, the anchor. And um, this is also why I said God gives us what we need mm -hmm. and not what we're looking for or what we think we want. Um, there is a passage of a scriptural passage that says the Holy Spirit knows what we have need of even before we pray. Yeah. And so God can look at us and say, wow, she's asking for this, but what she really needs is this. And um, um, well, I was struck when I was there, uh, and, and the only thing I can compare it to in my limited mind, uh, what happened at 16th Street, is the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. um, evil is evil, mm -hmm. whether it raises its head for a Sunday right. or for th 12 years, uh, or whether it's passed on from generation to generation. Uh, evil is evil whether it claims four lives mm -hmm. or 6.5 million mm -hmm. lives. Mm -hmm. And it leaves compound interest mm -hmm. that continues to accrue through the years. And as I read your book, I thought of another author. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you're familiar with her, Corey Ten Boom, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and how she talks about that day she was speaking in Ravensbrück, I believe it was, in 1947. Mm -hmm. And she was in one of those concentration camps. Mm -hmm. And the first time she faced one of her Nazi captors who came up to speak to her, and just that moment of asking God, help me forgive, mm -hmm. uh, this man wanted to shake hands with her. Mm -hmm. and, and she was caught in this dilemma of do I do this or not? And, and she ultimately did, and she's taught a lot about forgiveness. And that's what I mm -hmm. perceived a lot from your book, mm -hmm. is your understanding of how that moment God has used that to, you're all about reconciliation and the power of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a beautiful thing. You want to mm -hmm. elaborate on that? Yeah, I love, um, I read her story, uh, Corey Ten Boom, and I've read a lot of the Ella Wazell story. Mm -hmm. um, I worked on a, a committee in um, Washington, D.C. It was called the Committee on Conscience. This is later in life, but... Um, this was also during the uh, Rwanda genocide. Okay. And I uh, had a collection of books written by survivors of the Holocaust. And, uh, you know, they gave uh, a lot of, there were a lot of stories in those books, but there were also what they would call warnings. Here are mm. things that began to happen or here are things to watch for. Uh, but I was especially taken as well by the, the notion of forgiving um, someone who had done such horrible things. Uh, you know, the, the bombing of the church was in an instant mm -hmm. and, and four lives were lost. In the case of the, uh, those, those victims of Holocaust, some of, this, uh, uh, some of them endured years of torture and pain and then were killed. And then some of them endured this and were set free or were able to be freed uh, in some way. Some were children. Um, but those incidents never leave your spirit. Mm -hmm. And what happens to them depends a lot on you. Uh, I could nurture that, that memory mm -hmm. with good things, like reading the stories you're talking about, reading my Bible. I could nurture those 
those uh, spirits and those feelings were good things or I could allow them to fester and read uh, where some guy maybe got on a building mm -hmm. and shot 20 people. And what I found, um, you, you know, I think we learn a lot about forgiveness in marriage as well. So here I am, I'm married as well. And so um, marriage is a lot of give and take, a lot of forgiveness and, and restoring uh, of the relationship. And um, I found that forgiving freed me. It allowed me to, uh, in a way, cleanse my heart, cleanse my thoughts and my spirit, uh, and to move on to fresh things. You know, I'm not sure why I did this. It was wrong. Uh, please forgive me, mm -hmm. uh, and fully with the intention that I'm going to move on and do better things, do greater things, uh, things that will make me happy or will make someone happy, uh, and make them proud that I've discovered the gift mm -hmm. of forgiveness. It is a gift uh, when we learn to forgive. I've had to forgive myself mm -hmm. for many things. Um, I think when I married, I was a kid, mentally, spiritually. Uh, I forgive myself for not being the person I would like to have been or mm -hmm. that normally you would be when you married, uh, maybe more maturity for 24, 25. I forgive myself for those times when I didn't know to forgive other people. You know, we can beat up on ourselves mm -hmm. because uh, we've made some bad mistakes. You know, always try to go back and, and uh, sort of reestablish that relationship, offer the forgiveness. That's about all we can do if the person accepts or right. not. But, uh, but it freed me. You know, uh, forgiveness is one of the cornerstones, one of the major tenets of the Christian religion. Mm -hmm. And God says that we must forgive even as he has forgiven us, which um, when we think about uh, reconciliation, we're, uh, if I were to just use my words to define that, I would say um, we're removing anything that separates us from God. Mm -hmm. Um, in any other relationship, mm -hmm. uh, whether that be husband or friend or whoever, we're removing anything that separates that relationship, that causes friction in that relationship. And so um, once we are able to uh, remove the things that separate mm -hmm. us, we can walk as one sure. with God. We can walk as one with that spouse or with that friend, uh, wherever um, the, the need for the healing has been. But it, it does start with forgiveness. And um, I'm never unmindful of the fact that it is one of the major tenets mm -hmm. of, uh, of the Christian faith. Um, we have a lot of opportunities to yes. forgive, especially today. And uh, understanding that uh, a lot of people, maybe like me, were un unlearned, young, uh, unexposed, of uh, growing up in Birmingham, just wasn't familiar with a lot of the things that existed mm -hmm. even here. I think that was by design in my parents' home. But uh, when I learned, that made me a little bit more tolerant mm -hmm. of people who clearly uh, are unlearned or may have been taught. Mm -hmm. What we know for sure is that um, when we're born, we're empty vessels. Mm -hmm. 
and what comes out later is what we have poured in. Right. And so I've come to understand that too. There should be no um, idle words, stray words that we use or give to our children or even to adults mm -hmm. uh, if we're um, uh, making an attempt to make them one with us or to separate or to t remove what separates us, what could potentially separate us. Mm -hmm. I can say things to you that I know would potentially separate us. Mm -hmm. Why would I do that? Mm -hmm. You know, and so I think um, uh, God is faithful. You know, when we make mistakes, um, whatever we've said or done, God is faithful and just to forgive right. us. And when we remember that, then we extend that to others, um, just following in his footsteps, being faithful right. and just. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, always remembering the tremendous amount that he's forgiven me. Yes. So therefore, what do I have to forgive? That's you know? right. Uh, That's right. Which which of those two do I put the magnifying glass on? What he's forgiven me, That's which is right. an incredible amount, That's or right. what I need to forgive someone else of? That's right. I heard this quote yesterday, mm -hmm. and I'm chewing on it still, from psychologist Carl Jung. Mm -hmm. He said, all the greatest and most important problems of life are fundamentally insoluble. Mm -hmm. If you stop there, that's bad news. Mm -hmm. But then he went on to say, they can never be solved. They can only be outgrown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I believe that. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of a historian that I study a lot. Um, I can't think of his name, but um, he uh, studied the the civilizations that have been, existed on mm -hmm. the face of the earth, and he tells us that we can document with certainty that um, there have been about 28. And he says that the ones that did not survive did not survive, they, did, they became extinct, but they didn't become extinct because of weather. Mm -hmm. uh, they didn't become extinct because of war or famine, loss of food or disease. They became extinct because of their failure to adapt mm. to uh, the people and the changes mm -hmm. that were occurring. Every generation uh, everywhere experiences various changes and uh, you know, I um, I don't particularly care for the music I hear today, mm -hmm. but uh, and I won't say I've adapted to it, but I, um, you know, I'm okay. I, I'm not going to be at odds with someone. Uh, there's not going to be a wedge driven because of the music that I hear. Right. Uh, we hear differences in theology, mm -hmm. and we visit different churches, or we may just have a. Uh, a minister that's called it has a little bit of a difference in theology than what we have, but but we're not going to allow that to just destroy us, right? We're going right. to just melt down, just yeah. fall apart because uh, because this is different. Mm -hmm. This is a change from what I'm accustomed to, and so I can see um, in so many ways how that becomes a nemesis for us. Um, we live in a country today. Uh, the United States Census says, um, what, 2040, mm -hmm. we will have no majority minority, or we can reverse that and say no minority majority. Mm -hmm. um, but sometimes simple things like living next door mm -hmm. to someone who's different from you becomes a huge obstacle mm -hmm. for some people. And it just drives their 
living and breathing every single day. Mm -hmm. And so learning to, um, one, I think, see all people in the image of God is going to become very important. I think it's an important teach, teaching, Imago Dei is, mm -hmm. is the way it would be said, but I think it's an important teaching um, for the church. I think that reconciliation, the, the theology and the responsibility of reconciliation has been given to God's church. Mm -hmm. I visit a lot, a lot of churches. Um, I spent a lot of time in New York and other places. I was in New Orleans a week ago. Mm -hmm. And I always try to visit churches. And the, the messages I hear are not forgiveness messages. They are not um, messages of love. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're not messages of love your neighbor uh, who lives next door, even though he may be different from you. I, that I know that sounds uh, is a weird title if you were going to make a sermon of mm -hmm. it, but but I listen for those messages. Mm -hmm. I, I go specifically to see. Uh, that was one of the things that troubled me as a kid. I remembered the sermons my grandfather preached. Mm -hmm and uh, my mom's sister was married to a minister. We had a lot of ministers in the family, but I never heard, um, la in later years when mm -hmm. I would go back to study, I, I my ears were especially attuned to the messages of love and to the messages of forgiveness and reconciliation by design, mm -hmm. the, even the message of lament. Uh, I could not, um, do anything. There was nothing in my power to to assist or stop or prevent the Holocaust, mm -hmm. which we mentioned earlier. Right. Um, but when I saw that museum in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. I, it took me a week to gather myself wow. together again. Uh, the thought of human beings mm -hmm. treating other human beings, but it allowed me to see what we were capable of. Mm -hmm. Uh, without God, mm -hmm. right? And so there is no, um, there is no time in my mind. Every generation, just as we talk about reading and writing, every generation needs to to get the Word of God, right? From Genesis to Revelation, mm -hmm. I believe that's what God is doing from Genesis to Revelation. Reconciliation is His plan. Yeah. Yeah. In the Old Testament, it was the shedding of blood. In the New Testament, excuse me, we hear Paul for the first time using this word reconciliation. And God is saying, okay, um, from beginning to end, I've tried to get you to walk with me, to mm -hmm. follow, I've made covenants with you, I've given you laws and rules to follow. But I see now that uh, you're just within your own power, mm -hmm. you're not able to do these things. Right. Within my power, you are. Right. And so, no more sacrifices, now we've got the perfect sacrifice. He enables you. And, and so this is the message, in my opinion, um, that's missing mm -hmm. from the church, the love message. The, for Paul says, not Paul, First uh, John, can a man love God mm -hmm. and hate his brother? Mm -hmm. How can I love God, whom I've never seen, and hate my brother, whom I'm looking at right mm -hmm. now? How does that happen? Yeah. You know, forgiveness to the same extent that God forgave, sent his son, made him sin for us, sacrificed his son for us. How dare I talk about not forgiving yeah. someone else? How do we not lament what happened in the Holocaust? Mm -hmm. How do we not lament the matter of slavery? Mm -hmm. 
you know, uh, for those who weren't, who, who couldn't seem to get it or understand, the New York Times uh, issued um, a magazine August 18th of this year. This year. It's called the 1619 Project. Mm -hmm. uh, because, and it's called that because August 18th, 14, 400 years ago, mm -hmm. the first slave ship landed in America carrying its first cargo of slaves. Mm -hmm. And um, they were allowing Americans to see, for everyone who asked the question, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. uh, why can't we get along in the country? Why, you know, why, why, why? Uh, here's where it started. Mm -hmm. You know, 400 years of people who have been, um, uh, who uh, 200 years of unpaid labor, forced unpaid labor, and then 200 years of continuing deprivation, mm -hmm. and, and spoke to things like um, the Desegregation Act, Brown v. Board, but it was just tracing a history mm -hmm. of our country. Uh, will we be one of those civilizations that is not able to grapple with changes, right. ongoing changes? Uh, I don't know, but I pray for us uh, every day. Uh, but again, the responsibility of those messages, I believe, belongs with God's shepherd mm -hmm. in the church. Yes. And I, I look for those messages. I look for them uh, everywhere I go, everywhere I visit. And I realize that on any given day, uh, uh, Sunday, a mm -hmm. pastor may be preaching a different message. Uh, but in 2013, 50 years, of, that was the 50-year mark of mm -hmm. the bombing of the church, mm -hmm. we uh, petitioned and requested from the National Southern Baptist a repeat of the message that was given for, or the Sunday school lesson for September 15, wow. 1963. Uh, you may remember the title of the lesson that day was A Love That Forgives. Mm -hmm. And we thought, what? What a wonder, what an amazing blessing this could be if every pulpit in the country, as many as we could get to, were preaching from the text of Luke that message. Mm -hmm. And so we sent that out, but, uh, but that was what was in my mind, mm -hmm. the fact that I don't hear the love messages, the forgiveness messages, the lamenting of things that we didn't necessarily have anything to do with that we couldn't prevent, mm -hmm. but we lament them anyway. Right. And, and, and pray and seek God about how do we uh, resolve this or can we uh, make sure this doesn't happen again. And then ultimately, the reconciling message, uh, when we come to see each other the same way God sees mm -hmm. us, you know. Um, but it's clear to me, mm -hmm why we have a lot of the problems we have because we don't hear those messages. Yeah. 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 There's a sign from Birmingham to Montgomery that someone placed on a fence that says, go to church mm -hmm. or the devil will get I you. I know where that is, mm -hmm. yes ma'am. And when I was a, a kid, uh, the concept of the devil was real. Mm -hmm. If you talk to many people today, the concept is not real. Mm -hmm. but. There are so many passages that, passages mm -hmm. that talk about the evil one mm -hmm. who comes but to steal, kill, and destroy, who walks around mm -hmm. looking to see whom he may devour. There, there is always evil, mm -hmm. but then there are, for those of us that are called uh, into the Christian ranks, for those of us who say we're members of God's church, uh, we are to be his hands and feet, mm -hmm. his voices, when this evil 
shows its face or is lurking somewhere. And I think we have to be very real mm -hmm. and very honest about that, the fact that it's there. But, but we're here, mm -hmm. and we're here for God's purpose. So I think if we can, um, can bring more of those messages from our churches, that will, uh, will, will net in ways that we can't even count a change mm -hmm. in the attitudes and the spirits of people. Think about how most people see their pastors, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, they take his word as the word, yeah, yeah, as as the messenger from God, and so um, uh, pastors can can change mm -hmm. a lot of what we hear yeah. and a lot of what we see. Um, when I, I spent a summer at Duke University uh, studying, they had a, a reconciliation uh, class there that they do a workshop seminar over the summer. And many of those pastors, um, we talked about the various messages that we hear from pulpits. And many of those pastors said, um, I can't preach that in my church. You know, I, I want to I want to keep my house. Mm -hmm. I want my kids to be able to go to school. You know, I want to live the American dream. In other words, like everyone else, and uh, there are some congregations that just aren't accepting of certain messages. Well, in my mind, that begs the question of who called you. Right. Right. Yeah. And so, um, if God has called us, He's given us His Word, um, we know what we're His ambassadors. Mm -hmm. If we look at um, what Second Corinthians 5th chapter, uh, verses 18 through 21, it's where it talks about reconciliation, mm -hmm. talks about us being called to be ambassadors. Ambassadors carry the messages that they're given. Mm -hmm. They don't change the messaging. Right. Uh, I've read stories of uh, in earlier times where ambassadors who didn't deliver the message they were given, they were killed. Yeah. You know, we have ambassadors in this country, yeah. and most countries have them. But as God's ambassadors, we don't change the message no. at all. And you've got to preach the whole counsel of God. You know, going back to the Old Testament prophets. That's right. You know, they said unpopular things. Jesus said unpopular Popular things. things. Right. That's ultimately what got him in in Dutch with, uh, right. with the religious authorities. Right, and uh, there are a lot of things that are unpopular mm -hmm. today. Yeah. Um, you know, and you're going back to talking about the devil and uh, the concept of that we don't seem to have an understanding of that. To me, there's a huge key in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, where Paul wrote, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, wow. but against spiritual forces, against wow. the evils yes. in heavenly realm. And I'm like, yes. hello, right there. Yes. We don't have people problems. That's we have right. never had people problems. That's right. We have an enemy who has infiltrated our individual spirits, stirs us up one against another. Mm -hmm. There's the source of it right there, That's the it. author of confusion. Mm -hmm. And when we get, realize, and there it is, it's, it's telling us blatantly mm -hmm. that the issue is not a physical problem. The issue is a matter of the heart That's and right. the enemy That's right. entering into the to, That's right. to heart. You you stated it beautifully. Yeah. You, one of the quotes you had in in the your book, you quoted Dr. King, mm -hmm. and in uh, a very convicting quote, he mm -hmm. said, "He who passively accepts evil is as much involved in it as he who helps to perpetrate mm -hmm. it. He who accepts evil without protesting mm -hmm. against it is really." 
cooperating mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. And then your closing comment in the book, and, and that last little bit where in your book is entitled, While the World Watched, and you wrote these words. You said, you said, as I ponder on the title of this book, While the World Watched, I see that the world has stood back passively and watched people hurt other people for many years. Mm -hmm. But now I believe it is time for us to stop watching. It is time for us, with God's help, to take action. Mm -hmm. This book was written eight years ago, I believe, mm -hmm. is when it was 2010. published. 2010. Mm -hmm. So we're nine years further along. And my question for you is this, how are we doing? What steps do we still need to take? Mm -hmm. Well, um, there are a couple of things I would say. Um, number one, um, God's shepherds, mm -hmm. those called of God, whether they're shepherds or serving some other capacity, need to preach the word of God. Mm -hmm. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, this is what the Word of God says. I think that's a, an excellent start if the shepherd will set that example. Uh, most churches I've been in have some form of Christian education for young people. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that just as every generation that comes, that's born mm -hmm. in this country or other countries, we make sure those generations can read, we make sure they know math. Right? Yes, we have a curriculum for them. Mm -hmm. Part of that curriculum needs to include the Bible. Mm -hmm. Now, I also think we need a course on world religions. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think, now, this is just my personal conversation with God, yes, sort of. But I don't think God cares so much about what we call ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think he does care about... Um, how we represent him, how we show our love, our respect for him. And we do that by how we treat each other. I right. think he cares about how we treat each other. But whether what we call ourselves is not important. It's what we do. But if we learn about world religions, mm -hmm. we learn about how they were, perhaps how they were born, uh, what they believe and don't believe, that becomes uh, a little bit of a dividing line. Well, if they don't believe in Jesus Christ, and I do, mm -hmm. then maybe I should stay with people who believe what I believe. But it's certainly not a cause for a war, mm -hmm. you know, or for us to uh, take issue with our neighbors um, or people we know. Mm -hmm. uh, we can rightfully discern when we have God's shepherds mm -hmm. teaching us what the Word of God says. We can rightfully discern when we read for ourselves and when we set good examples mm -hmm. for our children. Um, it's going to require a little work on our part, just as, as all things do, and particularly all good things. Right. But I think we would see a huge difference uh, in um, the things that we're seeing reported in the news now. Mm -hmm. I think we'd see a huge shortfall, a huge difference in that if we, uh, if our churches were operating up to speed. Right, yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I believe, and I've said this many times, I think in our culture, and sometimes even in our churches, we have lost the ability to reason. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
we divide. Yeah. But that ability to reason, like we can have a conversation, I can have a conversation with anybody. I'm going to walk away. I'm not going to be offended. That's right. Uh, That's right. Because who's leading us? Who's supposed to be leading Mm us? You know, the love of Christ, Jesus. And uh, you, you always have the the option of free will. Mm -hmm. God has never required us to um, to compromise with evil. Right. We don't have to acquiesce. We don't have to agree. Uh, we don't have to participate in any way with a form of evil right. that goes against the teachings that we've learned. Uh, I do realize, um, as the the, guy, the preachers, the shepherds said when we were up at Duke, I do realize that, uh, that we're challenged mm-hmm. in those areas. Uh, uh, people support the churches in many ways and uh, um, um, tend to want to control sometimes mm-hmm. what the messaging uh, through uh, their gifts and their participation and so forth. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the most disastrous things that can happen to any of us is to force messaging that we want to hear mm-hmm. as opposed to messaging that's good for us, Mm -hmm. messaging in this case, the Word of God. Mm -hmm. And so, um, uh, again, it begs that question, who called you? Right. And uh, when you can answer that question honestly and truthfully that God has called me, I think you can bring the message that God has given you to bring. Wow, yeah, yes. I'm going to ask you a couple of more quick questions. Uh, I came across this question reading John Eldridge's book, Beautiful Outlaw, a book about Jesus, and a, what a wonderful question. He And, and I, I might say, you know, I have no doubt that God has much of your journey and race ahead. Uh, you, you look extremely well. It looks like you're vibrant and going full force. I have a lot of energy. You have a lot of I energy. Travel yeah. a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but here's the question. When you have that moment to be in Jesus' presence, what are you looking forward to with Jesus? Well, I could use uh, the, the phrase that we hear a lot, uh, just walking up to him and hearing him say, well done, mm-hmm. my, my good and faithful servant. Um, but um, the things that, that touch me now, the things that still might pull at me a bit, Mm -hmm. the challenges that I've had. Uh, I'd like to know that um, however I've handled them, Mm -hmm. uh, to the best of my ability, to the best of my godly ability, that he will say to me that, uh, well done, that Mm -hmm. thank you uh, for carrying the message of reconciliation. Thank you for sharing the love in my name, Mm -hmm. for sharing forgiveness in my name, and for encouraging others to become ambassadors of reconciliation. Uh, That task was given to everyone, and you grabbed hold of it full force, and uh, thank you for what you've done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. If you could sum up your life, Carolyn, with one word, or one phrase, what would that word or phrase be? There are two things that that enter my mind that I say a lot. Um, 
it is my prayer that uh, my words are always seasoned mm -hmm. with grace. My, my words my, from my lips always seasoned with grace. Uh, I believe that um, as a reconciler, that's important. Um, and I believe God gives us the material to use mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So um, if I can be called a reconciler whose words are seasoned with grace, uh, I would, would count that maybe I've been somewhat successful in the work that I've done. Um, the other um, scripture or passage that I quote to myself uh, a good bit um, that I've learned in whatever condition I find myself to there would be content. Mm. Uh, I found myself in a lot of places as I travel or in my hometown even growing up, but I have learned the real meaning of contentment. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to be content, to be, to understand that I always have the peace of God in my heart and in my spirit. And it is that peace, I think, that brings that type of contentment. But uh, because I have it, I've learned to be content with the things of this world. Yeah. Where I can't make the change, uh, where God doesn't lead me to attempt to make the changes or to bring voice to a situation that may need change. Mm -hmm. I've learned to be content. Um, and to live in his peace. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Wow. Well, I believe on that first note about the season with grace, mm -hmm. I can hear that every time I, we've had a phone conversation, every time we visited, and especially today, just being able to share this table, this time with you. Uh, I believe got that I see that within you. So. Mm -hmm. uh, Thank you for this time. Thank you for coming to the table. And we're doing something a little different today. We're actually eating after the conversation. You suggested a place called Oscars at the Museum, mm -hmm. which is in the Birmingham uh, Museum of Art. I haven't been in the Museum of Art in years, and Oscars was not there then. So I'm really looking forward to lunch with you today and have some off-the-record conversation. But it has been a pleasure to, uh, to have you on this podcast. Well, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm, I'm always elated to have an opportunity to, to not just speak about the tragedy of 1963, but more the good things that have followed. And uh, just to continue to attempt to permeate the spirit of reconciliation wherever I am, whether that's in Birmingham or some other place. Yes, ma'am. Well, I recommend to others to read your book, to get a copy of it. Thank uh, you. And it's an excellent book. Uh, so, and I'm grateful to my friend Stephanie Cherry, who uh, was the one who recommended uh, she, when she knew I was, would be talking to Reverend Price. She said, you need to read While the World Watched. Yeah. And so, uh, well, thank you, Stephanie, for recommending the book. Uh, the book did receive the Alabama Library Award the first year it was out and was also placed on the National Common Core list. A uh, lot of surprises mm -hmm. uh, happened with the book, uh, but the messaging uh, in my heart was strong without the book. I had to really sit down, take the time to get it pulled together, but um, I appreciate uh, the assistance to uh, Denise George yeah. in working with me on that. Um, if she had not uh, sort of pushed me to, mm -hmm. to get the story written, um, I likely would still be just 
traveling and talking. Right. But um, it wasn't difficult to share with her uh, because I, um, I just had such uh, regard in my heart for her and Dr. George. Mm -hmm. And this is a story I lived. Mm -hmm. There's nothing new in there to right. me. And so I'm grateful for people, for authors, other mm -hmm. authors who recognize that uh, uh, our stories need to be told. Yes. Um, she is a gift in herself. Denise George is an excellent author. I'm sure you've read some of her other uh, works. I haven't yet, but you I'll haven't. look them up. Yeah. Uh, well, there are layers. Yeah, when we start sharing our stories mm -hmm. the way you shared yours, there are layers, there are things, details, and like I've never thought about it, that or I did not realize. And I think that draws us closer to one another and, and closer to understanding. It does. Uh, so two things mm -hmm. I want to say, just in closing. Um, the historian that I was talking about was Arnold Toynbee, mm -hmm. T-O-Y-N-B-E-E, mm -hmm. that was talking about the 28 civilizations mm -hmm. and why they didn't survive. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to go back and mention his name. Okay. And um, there's a pastor in Huntsville, that, a white pastor, that asked if I would join his church. Mm -hmm. And my husband and I visited there. Mm -hmm. We have some friends up there. And so they said, come go to church with us. And we did. And uh, But this pastor um, is not from the South, and mm -hmm. he was trying to make a difference in his church mm -hmm. and trying to teach his church about uh, interacting with people mm -hmm. and learning to appreciate and love all people. I think he felt that if I were there, uh, I just tend to love everybody mm -hmm. and I get along with everybody. And um, I said, well, I understand what you're trying to do, but I don't think that I'm the answer. Right. Me joining, come leaving my house in Birmingham and joining the church, but um, but he's done some very creative things, and uh, I could feel in my spirit um, that he wanted to do something, that he felt a call to do mm -hmm. something, and he's done some things since then. But um, I sent him a passage of scripture mm -hmm. from Luke, and it said. Um, um, that uh, Jesus wept mm -hmm. because as he came into Jerusalem he saw that the people did not know who he was mm -hmm. did not recognize him and if you read the Greek version of it it says they did not recognize their Kairos moment mm -hmm. and I sent him that scripture to say I believe this is a Kairos moment for you mm -hmm. it's a God ordained moment because you have the attention of these people. Mm -hmm. You have the confidence of these people. You have the spirit of these people reaching out to you. They mm -hmm. really want to be a good church, a, a mm -hmm. godly church. Um, and what I was hoping was that he would not, I could see it mm -hmm. when I went there, when I went, when, you know, how I was greeted. Mm -hmm. I could feel it in that church. And I didn't want him to miss that moment of opportunity. Mm -hmm. So I was nervy enough to, uh, I said it as graciously as I could, but I said, God, put this on my heart for you. Mm -hmm. I've been thinking about it. I've been, that was a month ago mm -hmm. that I was there, but I put the scripture passage there and um, challenged him mm -hmm. to read it and to seek God about it. And uh, I think he's done that. Yeah. Uh, I, I hear a lot of things um, going on in that church. 
one of the things, I did go back uh, and do a book review mm -hmm. for them one evening. Um, he made me get up when I came to one of the worship services mm -hmm. and come up to the pulpit. But uh, being bold enough, I would want someone to tell me if they saw in me a calling mm -hmm. that maybe I don't recognize, right. you know? And I felt that so strongly, and I knew it wasn't going to go away until I did it, right. until I sent him that note, and I did it. And so um, I think there are, um, I think there are pastors, I think he's one of those pastors that uh, is trying to sort of rise above the congregation. Mm -hmm. I think so you, you want to kind of rise above a little bit and then you bring the congregation with you. Mm -hmm. But you can't just bring every congregation right, right away and I think that's what he's trying to do. That's my sense of the activities and the mm -hmm. things that I've seen him do. Uh, I heard um, a podcast, I don't think it was on yours, but where he had a fellowship. They had a, a, a black and white church fellowship, mm -hmm. which is something I think he began, okay. maybe. But I think Banneker had mentioned that, Banneker Hatcherson. Mm -hmm. had, uh, or yeah, he talked about a time when the churches were getting mm -hmm. together. Yeah, mm -hmm. I saw that in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. 16th Street had a relationship before this pastor, before Reverend Price. They had a relationship where they did Thanksgiving with a particular mm -hmm. church. Uh, the choirs would mm -hmm. come and sing. We don't really even see that mm -hmm. so much now. But uh, anyway, uh, uh, I, I hope they're listening yeah. to your podcast. Yes, thank and, you. Uh, uh, I've listened to several since you sent thank the you. one with uh, and, I, and Reverend Price and all, and, and enjoyed them. Thank Just you. couldn't figure out how to turn them off. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of people have that problem with me. I don't know how to make him stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't you yeah. stop. Yeah. You know, I God's good. Figure that thing out, yeah. but don't don't you stop. Yeah. Uh, that thought is scary. Yes, ma'am. What would happen if people stopped? Yeah. If, if some yeah. of us just oh, stopped yeah. saying anything? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's a little frightening. Uh, but again, I want to say thank you. Carolyn for coming to this table and uh, let's go get something to eat. Okay. Uh, we sign off every week. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Would you sign us off? Okay. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. All right.